from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The midterms are right around the corner, just ahead in November. Consequential midterm election, probably one of the most important of our lifetimes, I think, given the state of the country, everything that's going on in the country. So we're going to turn to a pollster who's actually gotten things right, who doesn't inject bias. He just tries to get to the truth. He tries to get to the answers. He tries to reflect reality at a time when a lot of pollsters are are showing their bias, right? They inject their own bias into the outcomes and what they think the electorate is going to look like. That pollster, he's the founder of the Trafalgar Group. His name's Robert Cahali. You've seen him on Fox News quite a bit. But he he has a history of getting things right. I mean, you look at over the last six years, their average error rate is 2.4%. Even in the 2016 election, they made a huge name for themselves because You know, he stood by his polling results, which showed a clear 300 plus Trump victory. You know, he was an outlier. Basically, consensus was saying Hillary Clinton would win. And Robert didn't back down. He didn't back down. He stood by his results. You've got the real clear politics. Tom Bevan has said that the Trafalgar Group are widely recognized as one of America's most consistently accurate and trusted. The Weekly Standard said a single firm had the most accurate polls in Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio, Colorado, and Georgia talking about the Trafalgar group. So they've gotten a lot right, uh, I think largely because they don't inject bias into the polls and and they do things like likely voters, particularly at a time right now when we're, we're ahead of the election. And that's really important. So we are going to talk to Robert about this election cycle, what it all means. Talk about that hidden Trump vote in 2016, 2020. Are we going to see a little bit of that again? Is there a hidden Republican vote. So we're going to talk to Robert uh, about all of this, a guy who has a history of getting things right. 
what he thinks about today's political landscape, where things are going, and what voters care about. So stay tuned for Robert Kahali, Trafalgar Group. That's next. We've got Robert Kahali from the Trafalgar Group. You know, Robert, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you're one of the few pollsters people still trust in this day and age. Well, you know, we got into polling because not because this was anybody's big ambition. This isn't what I took in school. Uh, you know, I, I, I was a political, I was doing campaigns and we were, I was a general consultant. And we were running uh, kind of legislative congressional level races around the country. And what we found is the polling was just terrible. And everybody kind of knew it was terrible, but, you know, it was like nobody had anything better. And I, I, I studied a little bit, um, kind of watching uh, some, you know, kind of digging into the reports, asking, you know, volunteering to see if I can go to the call center and see what, what it looks like down there and, and stuff like that, and just get a sense for how they were doing it. And so I found some, what I found, you know, figured to be serious flaws and uh, decided, hey, we should, we should try this uh, and we should try to do it with, at a different angle. Uh, now there were some bumps along the way. We there's obviously there's some uh, questions uh, when the new technology of the automated uh, polls came out. Uh, there were some questions about where you can and can't do that, same as automated calls, and uh, we had a little bump of the road figuring all that out. But in the end, what we determined was there's some basic mistakes that polling is making. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, and this is this is the key thing. If you ever want to know how reliable a poll is, look how many questions I asked. We do not live in a day and age where average people have time to answer long polls. So what happens is polls disproportionately represent the opinion of those who have the time. And those people tend to care about politics a little bit too much. They tend to be higher educated, and they tend to be very firm uh, in the uh, in their corner. They're either firmly liberal or firmly conservative. And the worst is the people who are just bored and need someone to talk to. And you'd be surprised how many people in our society fit that. So we just think they miss average people. And that's the first thing. I mean, I have candidates all the time tell me, oh, well, you know, this, this, this here's the poll someone gave me, and I'll look at it, well, 35 questions. It's worthless. The mean thing. There's so much bias that exists in today's world. I mean, we see it in the media. I mean, we see it when we turn on the TV. We see it constantly, the bias that exists in our society. Is there bias in polling? And if so, how does that bias present itself? Well, first of all, the self-selection that that many questions gives you creates a level of bias. Uh, I looked at one the other day. It doesn't matter what state. Um, but the college graduates, post-college, I mean, post-college and post-degree, so like everything from a, from a master's, a doctorate, and a college graduate, they represented 50% of the people in the poll. There's not a state in America that that looks like a general election turnout. Nowhere. It looks like the, the kind of people who would participate in, in that case, a 42-question poll. 
And so what it does is it creates a bias to begin with of people who are more involved in politics. Uh, and right now, people who have a greater political efficacy tend to lean left. So that's the first not in, uh, intentional bias. And then, of course, I mean, you have to look at it. A, every company, no matter what you do, I don't care if you make tomatoes, I don't care, you know, you, I, grow tomatoes, I don't, I don't care if, if, if you build cars. You are built, you are based on what the people who are paying you want. You're, you know, you, your answer to them. So the question is, do the media outlets seek polls that are perfect or seek polls that fit the agenda of their news department? And do the universities want polls that are accurate or polls that seek to reflect the position of their university? I mean, in the end, what we found is a lot of the polls, and, and this is this is true for the ones put out by the partisan groups that, that are out there, you know, they paid for by the Republican Party or Democrat Party, paid for candidate, paid for by a PAC. But in the end, you have to answer this question, what was this poll designed for? Is it to reflect the electorate or is it designed to affect the electorate? And I would tell you affect is much more than reflect right now. And that's one of the problems. And so what they're doing is they're flooding these these averages and giving people a false sense where races are because there's four or five junk polls in there that have an agenda and then only two or three that are honest. And of course, it leans toward the agenda of the junk polls. Well, and to that in that vein, I see, you know, if you go to the real clear politics, uh, particularly if you're just looking at the, the congressional uh, ballot you have Republicans up five right now, but you're also doing likely voters. A lot of people are doing registered voters. Why do you do likely voters, and why do other people do registered voters? Well, first of all, because they're most of these guys are really bad at predicting who's going to vote. Uh, that's one of the things we learned in the Trump campaign last time uh, uh, in 2016 is there were whole groups of people they weren't polling. So, likely voters tends to give uh, an advantage to, to 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 the Democrats. It just does. Don't know why they switched to it. Other, than it seems very obvious to me. Because when you're calling registered voters, or you mean registered voters gives an advantage to Democrats. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, th I think you accidentally said uh, likely voters, but you mean registered voters gives the advantage to Democrats. All right. Sorry. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Just wanted to make sure. But when you're calling registered voters, you're calling everyone from. Johnny and Susie, who have voted in every single election, every two years, to Bill the bum, who hasn't voted in ten years but still registered. How is that more accurate poll? How do you at least not filter out people who haven't voted at all? Now I'm a big fan of identifying low propensity voters that I think will participate in a particular election. But we, but just imagine we had one of the biggest turnouts in America. In 2020, no one will debate that. Do you think somebody who did not get off their couch and vote in 2020 should be getting polled about 2022? It's insane. It does not. It, it, it is a fundamental problem, and we're never going to do that. Talk a little bit about uh, you know the the hidden Trump support that existed in 2016 and 2020. Well. It, it manifested itself two different ways. In 2016, we call you know, they were the kind of hidden, the shy Trump voter. 
And these were people who were definitely voting for Trump. Um, but because of, you know, Hillary calling them the basket of deplorables and, and just kind of the stigma that was out there, they were hesitant to say so on the phone. They just were. And, and the thing is, we all know, I mean, just forget what I tell you. We all know this is real. Every single person who's listening to this knows somebody who was for Trump who didn't want all their friends and family to know it and didn't talk about it, didn't have a sign in their yard, but could not wait to vote for him. We all know people like that. So why would why would you think that everyone is, is just is forthcoming, is forthcoming in a poll? Of course they weren't. So what they were doing is that they weren't saying who they were for, or they were staying undecided even though they weren't, or they were staying there for Hillary. So what we did is we, we used a little vehicle, uh, and I would love to take credit for this, but it is not my idea. There's a, there was a great guy. He was one of Lee Atwater's contemporaries in South Carolina where I grew up and did politics. His name was um, Rod Sheely. And Rod Sheely told me, he said, you need to give people a polite way to tell you something that they think is impolite. And he said, you need to ask them, well, how do you think, what do you think most of your neighbors think? And so we came back through and I said, let's just use this little, let's use the neighbor question. So we said, all right, well, okay, you're for Hillary. What do you think, who do you think most of your neighbors are for? And they would say Trump. And what that is, is it's, it's a projection vehicle. It lets people tell you what they wanted to tell you without you thinking that's their opinion. So we started looking at the difference. And in, in, and in states, we would measure the, how, what the margin was between those who said Trump and those who said Hillary and then those who neighbor question was, was different. And the, the common thing was Hillary uh, never went, went up. Hillary's support never went up. It always went down. And Trump's support always went up. And so in every single state, it was like, all right, hey, this state's an eight, you know, this state's a three. And we can figure out pretty quickly, consistently, what, what the margin was between the people who said Trump on question one, I mean, Hillary on question one, and, and said Trump on question two. So we were able to get to a better estimation of where the, Trump, the hidden Trump vote was in these states and better identify them. And then ask them some other specific questions. There are a lot of things that we don't explain uh, that help us get there because they're, they're very proprietary ways we question people. There's ways you can do all kind of stuff in polling that can get you a more honest answer. I mean, if you want to be one of our callers, you don't, it's not just like being a regular caller who doing polling calls. You have to sign a document that you will never disclose the way we teach you to ask questions. Let's take a quick commercial break. Back with Robert Cahali of the Trafalgar Group. That's next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Is there a hidden GOP vote right now? Because I, I think because the left has gone so insane on certain issues, I would imagine there are a lot of independents or maybe even some soft Dems who may be inclined to vote a different way given today's environment. Is there a, is there a hidden GOP vote, perhaps? Yeah, that's what I'll tell you is 2020 was totally different. It wasn't just they were hidden. They didn't want to participate in the poll. 2020 was a whole new ballgame. In 2020, you had conservatives, Trump supporters, who literally just didn't want to take polls. What we found is to get, we would have to try five times as hard to get Republicans as Democrats. So if you're doing a poll and you need to get, you know, 38% Republican for that state and you need to get, you know, 40 Four percent Democrat for that state, we would have to work way harder. We'd have to call five times the number of people, reach out to five times the number of people to get that 38% Republican than we would to get to the Democrats because they were hesitant to answer. Now, here's the other problem. The ones that were not hesitant to answer on the Republican side 
were the never-Trump Republicans who couldn't wait to tell you they hated him. So if a polling company wasn't really trying to get this right, they would end up artificially boosting the size of never-Trump Republicans since they were more likely to participate in polls. If you didn't filter that out and put that as a percentage weight that said, hey, all right, hey, among the Republicans we get, there is, you know, 11% that are never Trumpers. Well, if you didn't make sure that was the case, you'd end up, you know, having 50% of your Republicans be never Trumpers or more. And the poll would be off. And that's why you saw some of the nonsense you saw in these states. I mean, you know, I, I, Wisconsin's a great, a great example. We had the best poll in Wisconsin in America. And Washington, I think it was Washington Post, ABC had it off by like 12. And we had the best one in Florida and the best one in North Carolina and the best one in Texas and the best one in Ohio. Yeah, and there was and there were a few states that, you know, we were a couple points off. And that sometimes that couple points is the difference between winning and losing. And we can all just we could spend the rest of our lives discussing how that couple points got done and whether it was right, but it doesn't matter. It's the past. But the fact is these these thing these things matter and that's why the polling was so off compared to what happened. They said this was going to be a Joe Biden blowout. It was by no means a Joe Biden blowout. A few votes in a few different states, and it's a different game. So what does that mean for the midterms? The midterms are very much just like what Virginia was. So, so if Virginia was, hey, we have this odd-year election. There are lots of Republicans and Democrats in Virginia who vote every two years for federal elections, but don't vote in odd-year elections. So it was a battle between the two parties to see which one could build up closer to their 2020 turnout for 2021. So it's going to grab those people who don't usually vote, who did vote in 2020, and trying to get as many of them to vote as possible. It's the same thing here. It's, it, is a, it is a motivation game. And so that's, and so that's what's really key. So that's why I really don't understand these people who are polling beyond 2020 with registered voters who hadn't gotten off their butt in 2020 or 2016. I don't. I, if those did, th- those elections didn't wake you up. Don't know what will. Um, but so that so you have to you have to poll anticipating your turnout is going to be somewhere between 2020 and 2018, and a lot of that is just where you think that's going to be. Are uh, a young family, you know, uh, people with school-age children, are they going to turn out in the rate they did in 2020 or 2018? Or are they going to turn out like they did in Virginia because of all the school stuff? Are they motivated on that? Will they come in a higher margin? What what proportion of the seniors are going to turn out? In a usual midterm election, the seniors would represent a much bigger point, much bigger part than they do in a in a presidential election. So a lot of that, the difference is first of how you model your turnout, because again, all your collection of stuff is based on the models for your turnout and the way you collect the information. So yeah, it's gonna it's, it's gonna affect it a lot, and everybody's you know take, having different scenarios. I mean, I get sick of being attacked for being Republican. So frankly, most of our scenarios are are the a better scenario for the Democrats and the Republicans, just so 
we can avoid that accusation. From what you've seen so far in the polling you've done for this cycle, what does the political landscape look like right now? People are frustrated in general. Um, they, they don't really look at a party to solve their problems. And this is what I was trying to say a long time ago when all these generic ballots came out. They're like, oh, the Republicans are 60. Listen, these people ain't Republicans. When, when you see that generic ballot jumping around, what that is, is like, is like a guy who's been in a casino all night betting black, and he says, well, all I'm doing is losing. I'm going to bet red for a while. That ain't the car I usually bet, but I'm going to because I'm going to see if I get something different. And that's what this is, is I don't like what I got. I'm going to see if I get something different. So if the Republicans do pick up a bunch of seats, don't get in your heads that all these people suddenly became Republicans and they're going to be walking around, you know, wearing red T-shirts for the next 10 years. No, they've given you a chance to earn their votes. What are you going to do with it? The American public is shopping and they don't know when they don't want a party at all, but they've got to find one. And so what I see is voters that are hesitantly moving toward the Republicans because they think they might be better than what they've got. And there has become a separation, be it that it started artificial or not, between Joe Biden and the Democrats. What the Democrats are doing is they're letting Joe Biden take all the negative and letting it get blamed on him and trying to separate themselves from him. But in the end, I think this election is a referendum on Joe Biden. I mean, this is a did Joe Biden work or not? Is is this administration uh, making the difference that you wanted, or is it going the opposite way? I mean, when it's all said and done, I think what you'll see, and and I said this the other night on Hannity, I said I think running as a Democrat with Joe Biden as president is like having a house full of termites. Everything looks fine on the outside. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody has any clue. But before it's over, it's going to be the only thing that matters. How much did the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, how much has that impacted things or, or has it? Remember that part about how it's which party can get closer to their 2020 turnout? That's a, <laughs> that helped the Republicans get closer. There was a level. I mean, there was and I saw this in early 2020, the Republicans were so angry at all the nonsense in the summer of 2020 and all the mass mandate and all just all the COVID nonsense, all the statues being torn down, all the protests. They were just so angry. And it was like the only way to scratch that itch was to vote. The only way to get some release from that pressure was to vote. And I'm seeing them feel that way again. And I'm seeing the Democrats certainly motivated, but not like that. And then there are people in the middle that are just, they just almost like in Trump's election where I said that people, a lot of people voted for Trump. They didn't like Trump necessarily. They just saw Trump as a big old monkey wrench that they could throw in the middle of a machine that was hurting them. They said, how do I hate this system? How do I break it? Oh, that guy looks like a monkey wrench. He'll break it. Let me throw it. That's what they wanted, and people just think this thing is dysfunctional. I mean, what we get, what people are telling us is the government cares about all kind of stuff 
I don't. And that would include, you know, constant pressure on Green New Deal stuff, which pronouns people use, it, establishing uh, all of, you know, the white supremacists as a priority for the military and all the other things they see as nonsense and the things that do matter to people. Am I safe in my home? Are my children safe from fentanyl? Um, are people coming across our our border and making our communities less safe is the economy giving me an opportunity to make a good living yeah and somehow the government doesn't seem to be doing anything about that in fact seems to be working to the opposite effect and it, it it's like why is the government working against me I mean I feel that way uh, you know I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast feel that way you know how I know a lot of people on the left, they're, they're saying that the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that that is going to motivate, you know, Democrats, particularly Democratic women. Uh, what are you seeing in that? You know, how much of a motivating factor do you think that's going to be for the left? Well, first thing I'll tell you, I think it, the luckiest thing that ever happened to the conservative movement was that leak. Because this decision came out not as a decision but almost like when you know a government floats an idea to see what the reaction is, and so then what happens, it doesn't seem so shocking. The shock value of Roe versus Wade being overturned was cut in half by that leaked decision, and that was helpful for the conservative movement uh, in general. Now, once the decision came out, it, it, it upset them, but it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. It, was, it, just, it, it wasn't overwhelming. What I see moving people was what happened in the days that followed, and that is some of these states moving quickly to make further restrictions on abortions and, and, and just kind of jump on this opportunity because maybe they hadn't done anything on abortion before that would now be legal. What we have found in our national surveys, is that when you look at first try, you know, uh, abortion being legal, so people ask me, where do you draw the line? And what we find is an abortion for rape, incest, and life of the mother, first trimester, before a heartbeat, you have 55% of the population who says, that's it. That's all you should have. You start getting into second trimester, Third trimester, partial birth, it keeps going down. Third trimester, partial birth is only 11% of the population. So that's 89% against. And so when the conservative movement right now is on heartbeat and not before, I mean not after, rape, incest, life of the mother, then they have a, a winning majority. But when states start talking about no restrictions, just life of the mother, none of these bills have passed yet, mind you. But when they talk about having special sessions and doing things like that, that's the stuff that is freaking a lot of these people out. And one of the lessons you would think that the right has learned from the left is when you get something, you know, don't go for it all immediately. If you really want to restrict abortion, don't push it so hard that you lose a bunch of elections and then actually lose the ability to restrict abortion. 
Um, but I see them make the some of the conservatives making the same mistake, pushing this right now. And you can see the narratives of the, the insane stories about, you know, people are going to have uh, be arrested for miscarriages and all this nonsense. And all this could be avoided if people would just say, well, we've got a great bill, you know, in, our, in any particular state. Uh, I know, for example, in Georgia, the heartbeat bill uh, had already been passed. Uh, a lot of states have a heartbeat bill. And, uh, you know, and you got to work a majority in every single state that has one. But um, moving further on it, and and of course the characterization by the other side that you are. I mean, for example, the Kansas referendum was not about restricting abortion. It was about taking the power to make abortion law away from the Kansas Supreme Court and handing it to the Kansas legislature. That's all it was. But the other side came in. The thing was. That was the most convoluted worded referendum you've ever seen. Uh, and then the other side came in and said, this is a vote to ban abortion. And people on election, they believe that. And that's why it got shot down. It, they thought it was literally voting on making all abortions illegal. So the other side is going to grandstand. They are going to um, do all of these things. So now is not the time to fight those battles. Now's the time to win your elections. And... If you really want to end abortion, it's a business. You get a heartbeat bill, every abortion clinic in your state's going out of business because they're just not, not have enough customers. And it's so much better when they go out of business than when they're perceived to have been shut down. Quick commercial break. Stay tuned. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's a lot happening these days. 
but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What are the uh, top issues that you're seeing right now? I know I know you've kind of hit on some of it, but if you know if you're just kind of looking at sort of like the top five and what you're seeing, you know what are they? Well, certainly inflation. Uh, the sense that the government is a little bit out of control. Um, it was funny because I was I was watching the uh, uh, Sunday Meet the Press numbers and they threw up on the screen, now the average people are more worried about uh, the, the state of the democracy. And I, and they were painting it like, these are all January 6th people. And I'm like, uh, I know enough about polling. If that question reads like it looks like it reads, after the FBI raids a former president, there are Republicans saying they're worried about democracy too. And you just ignored that, that a piece of that poll. People are concerned about this big government that's out of control. They are absolutely concerned. So there are people on the Republican side. I mean, here's the thing. If you say that talking about the election being stolen and questioning whether the election was honest is a threat to democracy, then can you not also concede that if those people who say the election might have been stolen were right, a stolen election is also a threat to democracy? I think you can. So take us through for those who are sort of, uh, you know, unfamiliar with how polling works, just kind of take us through a real quick, like 30,000 foot. This is how it's done. You don't have to, you know, I, I know that you guys have your proprietary stuff. So, you know, you don't have to get into anything like that. But just but just like the, the bare the bare basics, you know, for people to kind of understand how it all. No, goes that's right. No. Um, well, with polls, you have to you, polls about what it's supposed to be is get a snapshot of where the electorate is the day the days you're checking. Um, everybody uses different methods to collect that data. I believe that you uh, need to use multiple methods because I think people live differently. I see polls all the time that just do live calls, and I and I want to know what normal millennials and Gen Zs answered a number they didn't recognize and talked to you for 35 minutes. None, zero, because they don't do that. Uh, we uh, we make sure we we do uh, calls. Home and cell phone, we 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 send texts, and our texts are our texts back and forth, not text link, so people are more comfortable answering. We send emails, we we provide them um, other callbacks, like they can call back and take a poll. Uh, lots of different methods. So we 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 have a lot of methods that we collect all of our data. Uh, we believe in short questionnaires, uh, three, four, five, six, seven. Most we want to do uh, because we think those are the kind of polls that people take. The first question every poll gets when they call a house is, how long is this going to take? And if your answer is something other than, oh, just three minutes, oh, it's just five questions, they're hanging up. Normal people are because they got lives. They got stuff to do. So we believe in short questionnaires, but we believe in large sample sizes. We don't want to come in your state and sample uh, less than uh, 1,000 people. Every state poll we put out, and we're doing a lot of state polls this year, there are a 1,000 people getting that margin of error as low as we can get it. 
And so those are some of our key factors. And, and we try to do as little waiting as possible, which means we focus on trying to hit those markers. If I need to find, you know, if, I, if I'm doing a state and it's 34% African-American, I need to get 34% of my samples from African-Americans. That's I, I, it, very important. I think that a lot of minority groups are often misrepresented because people get a small sample of them and wait that and do what's called weighting it up, which give it a higher impact than it has. And, you know, you're not getting, uh, you're not treating the people that you're polling that are small groups with respect when, when you don't actually give them the, give them the representation of the diverse opinions that would happen had you gotten the proper amount of samples. So we're big on getting our samples just right. We usually do the first couple of nights, and then after we look and see where our holes are. Hey, you know, what are we missing? Well, you know, we're, we're missing uh, parents with school-age children who live in this part of the state. And I say, all right, what method are they responding the best to? Well, those guys seem on this poll to be responding to email best. Then let's send a ton of emails to that part of the state for that group, and let's make sure we get them all. And that's different than where we don't have this static. We have to have X many emails and this many texts. No, we have to get the sample right. That's our priority. And, you know, we try to just be as honest and transparent because unlike these media groups and unlike the universities, we, you know, our business is, you know, we put a lot of stuff out there for business development. And there are a lot of industry groups um, companies, fund, you know, people that run hedge funds, high net worth individuals who literally pay us for the services of providing them honest polls that are not skewed by parties or campaigns. Well, we appreciate the work that you're doing and everyone continue to look for the Trafalgar Group's uh, work. I know you came out with a poll uh, the other day with Ohio, Pennsylvania. So everybody Keep your eyes on uh, the work that Robert's doing. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for joining The Truth with Lisa Booth. I really appreciate your time. It's great to be here. And I, I, I like Truth with Lisa Booth. I, that's catchy. I like it. <laughs> you know, it kind of rhymes. It goes well. So, well, I appreciate the work you're doing and uh, we'll, we'll continue to uh, pay attention. So thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> are skewed how even polls now are biased it seems that bias is seeped into you know pretty much every aspect uh, of our life and uh society so that was an interesting conversation with robert always look to their polls uh, you know i trust the guy i think he's a really trustworthy guy and he has a history of getting things right uh which is hard to do particularly when, when you're in the polling business so appreciate you for listening to the show want to thank john cassio my producer for putting the show together tune in every monday every thursday but you can also listen throughout the week on The Truth with Lisa Booth. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.